Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have a wrap-up on Canadian Western Agribition. And up first, in today's country comment, we'll chat with Brian Voth about the rising price of canola. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. The price of canola continues to rise. Brian Voth is president of Intella Farm Inc. So I think the biggest driver, as everybody's probably aware of at this point, is just the lack of production in Canada. Coupled with you know a lot of buying from China in the past uh, six, eight months, which has really led to you know these, these diminished balance sheets on canola and a multitude of other commodities. And so that has continued to fuel uh, canola prices. We went into this year with relatively low overall stocks and you know with a with a production that's you know 60 percent or whatever the number is going to be of normal um obviously we'll get those numbers out here end of the week from stats canada on our final production estimates but nonetheless it's it's going to be you know a fraction of a normal canola crop and so yeah that has kept prices uh up at these elevated levels and continuing to move higher because we just we don't have enough canola to satisfy the historical export demand along with domestic crush. You know, normally we'd be looking at nine and a half, 10 millions of 10 million tons of crush domestically. Plus we would generally have another 10 to 11 million tons of exports on canola. And so there's just, there's no way that that can happen. And it's ultimately going to have to be the export side that gets cut back because canola crushers can only do one thing. And, they are going to take the lion's share of the canola this year uh, with whatever that is left over going to the export side. And maybe the plants slow down a little bit, trying to crush a little bit less. But the crush margins on canola have been phenomenal. So there isn't actually really incentive for them to slow down the crush pace. So it's been driving, uh, you know, we've seen some fantastic basis levels. We're not quite as high as we were back in uh, late winter, early spring. But we've got some very aggressive basis levels and we're up at you know, just about to record uh, canola levels or futures prices, I should say, um, you know, to what we saw earlier in spring. Uh, and then again here in uh, in late October, beginning of November. So strong futures and strong basis is, you know, combining for $24 roughly a bushel of canola right now, which is fantastic. Kind of a two-part question. How long do you expect this will last and, and how high do you think it'll go? How long will it last? I mean, I don't see canola falling apart, barring some collapse in all of the other grains and oil seeds. You know, and there's the, obviously the vegetable oils. So we've got soybean oil, we've got palm oil. But those those prices have stayed at relatively high levels as well. So as long as there's this support from the other commodities, I don't see canola falling apart. And the other part about that one is, is that looking at the acreage battle for 2022, I don't see canola gaining a lot of acres in 2022. A lot of that is due to the dryness situation, which, you know, we've got four months before, five months before that plays itself out. But with uh, a lot of Saskatchewan and Alberta still being exceptionally dry and that being where a lot of our canola acres are, that's not going to really you know, incentivize farmers to go grow more canola uh, when the prices of alternative, you know, dry, dry crops such as peas, lentils, durum, barley are at, at high levels as well. 
think that that's going to be more the direction that Western Canada ends up going as it stands today. You know, in terms of how high we go here, like I said, we're just <laughs> we're just about back to these uh, beginning of November highs that we saw on November canola. We always have to take those with a little bit of a grain of salt because the highs were on the November futures as they went into delivery and there was a bit of a squeeze going on. But, you know, it is an, an objective. So 1065 bucks a ton is where that uh, November futures peaked out at. First week in November and, uh, you know, the January today is at 1043 We were up a little bit higher here, uh, 1000 uh, where were we, 1056 um, earlier so this morning. So we're actually getting very close to those highs again. Uh, beyond this, the only historical reference you have from a price perspective anymore is actually goes back to 1974, which is right fall of 1974 is when canola futures actually came into existence. And there was uh, a couple of months there where we traded 1,056, which is what we just traded out this morning. And, uh, in November of 1974, we traded up to 1101 a ton. So that is the only historical reference we have anymore at this point. And it's hard to take too much of a, a read into that one because as a contract is just getting going, there's, you know, lack of volume, lack of participants, et cetera, et cetera. So, but that would be your next upside objective. So, you know, whatever that means, 20, 25, 2450 canola kind of seems to be where we were. And that's where we peaked out last spring as well. So you have to think that at these high levels, demand is definitely being rationed. And that may keep a little bit of a, a lid on where things go uh, over the next six, eight months. But there is no real measurable supply of canola until Canada's harvest next fall. So we have to get through till that point. And the prices are going to do what they have to do to get us there. That was Brian Voth. He's the president of Intellifarm, Inc. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. On Monday, Protein Industries Canada announced a partnership that will develop superior plant-based food products and beverages. Here's CEO Bill Gruel. Together, Protein Industries Canada, YoFit, Avena Foods, and Roquette Canada are investing $1.75 million to tackle technical challenges in formulating novel plant-based food products including milk, dairy, and other packaged goods that will offer today's consumers the taste, texture, convenience, nutritional content, and functionality that they demand. The project is a great example of the power of collaborative innovation. The key focus is to maintain the nutritional equivalency to animal-based products, achieving higher functionality than existing products in the consumer packaged goods industry. And on average, there are four or five grain entrapment fatalities every year across Canada. Rob Gobey is with the Canadian Agricultural Safety Association. Flowing grain behaves much like quicksand. So as long as the product is flowing and moving, a person or an object will sink in that flowing grain. The reverse does apply. If it's not uh, flowing, you can walk on top of it relatively easily. You'll sink a little bit, you know, four to six inches probably, depending on the type of product, but you're not going to sink out of sight unless there's a void underneath the surface. Gobey says it's important to have a second person on site if a farmer is intending to enter a bin. Safety equipment such as a harness is also highly recommended. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. 
Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Tuesday, November 30th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Glenda Lee Allen Vossler will have a wrap-up of Canadian Western Agribition. Another edition of Canadian Western Agribition is in the books. Last week marked the show's return following a one-year break due to COVID-19 gathering restrictions in 2020. It also marked the 50th anniversary celebration of the show. Glenda Lee Allen Vossler caught up with Agribition CEO Chris Lane. How did everything go for you? There was an overwhelming sense of positivity around the show and everybody who came. Um, you know, you can see just on the comments that, that people are making as they packed up and headed home what a great time they had. And, and honestly, what a good show it was. And, and I think that's really a testament to the exhibitors, uh, to the egg community and all of our partners who came together and said, you know, this is, a, this is an important show. It's an important gathering in the agriculture community. We need to do our business. Uh, we need to see our peers. And that's what happened uh, for six days. And uh, we couldn't be happier or prouder. Now, given we are still dealing with COVID, how did that impact the show? You know, it's a factor for sure. COVID has uh, has caused any in, anybody in the event or hospitality or tourism business in particular to sort of rethink their plans and, and how you measure success. So um, it, it's hard to really know the exact, um, you know, effect. There's lots going on in the agriculture community that also would have an effect. Agribition is, you know, as dependent on the weather and drought and prices uh, in agriculture as it is on any other thing. So, um, you know, I think I think COVID might have, um, you know, had a had a downward effect on attendance in terms of uh, school kids, for example. We, uh, you know, ten thousand school kids in Regina couldn't come to the show this year like they normally do with their schools and field trips. Uh, so those numbers will show up eventually, but. Um, you know, overall, I think you know, the people who did come, the people who came through the doors were really intentional and deliberate and excited about it. Um, you know, we're not a small show, uh, even in a year if, uh, if attendance <laughs> is a little bit lower. There's still tens of thousands of people that came uh, to do business and have a good time. And I think that's exactly what we saw coming through the gate. Attendance, no doubt, had to be lower. Uh, you usually see about 120 121,000 people coming through the gates. Any concept, uh, a rough idea on, on what you might have seen this year yet? You know, I really don't. It's a bit early for that. I think, um, you know, at, at Agribition, as anybody who's been here through the week would know, um, the first days of the week are, are generally a little bit slower, and then it really ramps up near the end of the week. And we did see that exact thing happen this year, too. What about the international visitors? Certainly did see a lot of international business happening. I think, um, you know, the sheer number of international visitors won't, um, you know, match or look like what we've had in past years. But we did have uh, around 100 international buyers, pre-qualified and vetted buyers, come into our program, uh, representing about 20 countries. So that is, you know, that's significant, especially given, given what's going on in international travel right now. And the interesting thing about that, Glendalee, is that those 100 buyers that that came to Agribition this year, I think for their business, it was really important that they come and they did do business here. So we had extremely high averages in our sales and uh, we sold genetics at Agribition all around the world as we normally do. So the business of purebred beef cattle genetics um, transcends, I think, any obstacles around international travel for covid do you have some information for us as as far as sale highlights? Well, we've got, like I said, we've had uh, uh, probably our best averages in several years at the show this year. So that's that's a good sign that that shows that, 
you know, the quality of the cattle that, that go through the auction ring at Agribition are, are top quality and, and command those prices. We had uh, individual animals go for 50, 60, 70, and even one over $80,000. Um, so those are significant numbers uh, in the purebred world. And we've had a couple uh, of, of special programs. Our president, Chris Lees, actually had a donation heifer, uh, which raised over $70,000 for stars in the cancer clinic. So people are uh, were in a in a generous mood. They were in a giving mood, and I think the prices on the commercial side of things uh, and the genetic side of things uh, really show the value of this industry around the world. I've been talking with a Canadian Western Agribition CEO, Chris Lane. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Bossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Canada's Outdoor Farm Show is hosting an online event tomorrow entitled What a Year, a Celebration of Egg Innovation. Go to OutdoorFarmShow.com. The Farm Forum Learn and Grow event takes place virtually December 7th. Visit the Farm Forum website for details. Keystone Agricultural Producers Annual District Meetings take place December 7th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. This will be done virtually. Go to the CAP website. The Manitoba Egg Museum near Austin is hosting a Winter Wonderland December 10th to the 12th and again December 17th to the 19th from 4 to 8 p.m. Proof of vaccination for guests age 12 and up is required. The entry fee is $10 per family or $250 per person. And the Canadian Forage and Grassland Association's annual conference is planned for December 14th to the 16th online details at canadianfga.ca continuing with the manitoba farm journal here on this tuesday afternoon joining us once again is brian voth president of intellifarm inc to talk about the high price of canola five years ago we're talking 500 hundred dollar canola on average you know we're, we're our range was kind of 435 to you know 550 something like that and this really all just got going last october november you know, when we started to rally up with the, the commodity boom as a whole. And so, you know, when we started to get close and we, when we took out that 2000 and uh, the 2012, I guess it would be 2013 highs at 650 to, to seven or 675. That was a major level of resistance, even 600 bucks, you know, which was the 2011 highs. Um, and then the 2008 highs, which was 744, you know, but we took all of those numbers out in a very short span, very short time frame, you know, from basically last fall or October through till February this year, we took every single one of those levels out. So, which is a pretty phenomenal move. And I'm a little bit surprised, I guess, that we, that we took them out and stayed this high because generally uh, when markets spike up like that, they also fall back pretty quick. But again, we do have the fundamental backing of the supply situation that we see right now, or lack thereof, I guess I should say. And so, you know, this, now don't get me wrong. I do not think that this is the new norm. I do not think that this time is different, which is kind of the arguments you often hear in situations like this. Um, we will end up going back down to a more quote unquote normal price. Uh, once this supply situation sorts itself out. And that's exactly what the function of prices are. High prices encourage production and discourage demand. 
And that's exactly what this is trying to do is we need to increase our supplies and we need to decrease demand so that we can build our balance sheets back up. Uh, that will happen just like it did in 08, just like it did in 2013. Um, I can see, you know, going forward where, you know, $550, $600, maybe $650 used to be our highs, where that could be the new floor price on canola. And we trade in a new range from there. But I don't think for a second that $1,000 canola is the new norm going forward. Do you think, you know, once we hit that $1,000 per ton, is there any kind of like a psychological barrier once you hit that number, then, then who knows kind of thing or. There is uh, and, you know, I think that happens pretty much every time you cross one of those hundred dollar thresholds, because it's not something that you see very often. Again, keep in mind for almost five years, our range was basically a hundred dollars centered around that 500, 475 level. So yeah, there is a psychological level. I'm not sure in the last eight months, how much of that is still a, a factor anymore because we've blown through so many different um, you know, different levels like this, that I think a lot of people are just a little hesitant. The volumes, uh, a lot of this is fund driven too. Keep that in mind. So, you know, funds are in here buying and selling just like they would on mutual funds or bonds or stocks or anything like that. These funds are in here buying and selling grains, which is also a factor in, what, in how we get up here. But historically, that's where that big price spike up would come from because they jump on the buying bandwagon and then when the party's over, they just liquidate everything and then you come crashing back down. So far, we haven't seen that. And I think that is a supportive factor that we still have this lack of canola and we need to get through till next harvest. So whether the market has done its job on buying acres for 2022 or not yet remains to be seen. But when you look at the new crop canola prices, we're at a big discount to old crop. And so when you've got you know, old crop canola at $24 a bushel and you've got new crop at 18, it's not a huge incentive for for putting canola in the ground if you just look at that. So I do think that new crop is going to end up coming up further, you know, somewhere more towards where the old crop side is. Uh, that said, you know, do not take that as a recommendation to not sell new crop canola until it's $24 a bushel either. That was Brian Voth, president of Farming. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The Canadian Agricultural Safety Association is reminding farmers about the dangers of grain entrapment. Rob Gobey is an agricultural health and safety specialist. We'd always uh, encourage using fall protection equipment, you know, your standard harness and lifeline uh, lanyard situation. Uh, hooked up to, of course, a, a solid anchor point. Also, before entry, we'd want to ensure that the air quality is is uh, okay to enter. When the grain does go out of condition, there could be poor air quality in the way of low oxygen levels, which could also put someone in danger. Gobey says it's important to have a second person on site if a farmer is intending to enter a bin. On average, there are four or five grain entrapment fatalities every year across Canada. And on Monday, Protein Industries Canada announced its third project in as many weeks. The latest is a partnership that will develop superior plant-based food products and beverages. YoFit, Avena Foods Limited and Roquette Canada have partnered to solve technical challenges in formulating plant-based milk, probiotic-rich yogurt and other functional plant-based products. Here's Protein Industries Canada CEO Bill Gruel. We have two different ingredient processors, Avena Foods and Roquette Canada, We're creating ingredients from sustainably grown Canadian crops 
working together with YoFit, a startup SME food processor, to create new healthy food right here in Canada. You know, it was just over a year ago that we announced projects led by Avena Foods and Roquet Canada to develop novel ingredients from Canadian crops. And that research has led to many new partners, including today's project with YoFit. This demonstrates the power of collaborative innovation and the growth of Canada's plant-based food ecosystem. The key focus is to maintain the nutritional equivalency to animal-based products, achieving higher functionality than existing products in the consumer packaged goods industry. The project will cost $1.7 million. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll have details from Canola Week. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.